and welcome to another episode of Brocephus and Friends. I'm your host, Brocephus, and this week I'm excited to have Hannah Thomas. Hannah, thank you so much for being oh, here. Oh man, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, okay. so the first time I met you, I think one of the first times I met you, was at CSF in the old building. Yes. When we and they had three o'clock prayer, and you and uh, Kaylee, Kaylee, yes, did three o'clock prayer, and you all did tremble. Mm. And I don't remember which one it was, <laughs> but at the end, you, I mean, y'all went, y'all could sing from your toenails for real, <laughs> but you all at the end was like, oh, I hit that note, oh, <laughs> and I think, I think, and the other one was like, yeah, you hit that for real. <laughs> But for those who are wondering, who in the world is Hannah Thomas? Tell us who you are and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, so I um, graduated from UK um, in May of 2021. So I'm, I still feel like I'm fresh out of college. Um, but I currently work at Southland Christian Church. I am the student's creative pastor. And I oversee programming and collaborate with our music production and creative teams um, to create like the best possible Wednesday night experience for our middle school and high school students. So deep in the weeds of student ministry. And I also get to lead worship at Southland and I also get to help a little bit with original uh, music as well. So just a little bit of everything. I wear a lot of different hats and it's really fun. That's so good. Why do you think, this is a little off topic already, <laughs> but why do you think there's such a need for a Wednesday night service because at Southland, mm -hmm. I know they actually have they have a small group yes. time, but they also have a large group. Why do you think there's mm -hmm. such a need for middle school and high schoolers to have that worship time mm. by with corporately without having adults? Absolutely, that's a great question. You know, I think when I think about middle school and high school students, something that I've just seen like in meeting groups and being involved in those student ministries is just like. Students want something to call their own, and so for them, going to church on Sundays is equally as important as Wednesday nights, but I think Wednesday nights, it's like the widest open door possible for them, right? They can invite their friends to church, um, they can just like be in community with people their age, and it's just really cool for them to learn what it means to kind of have their faith as their own you know it's not mm -hmm. something that their parents are forcing on them it's something that they're um, choosing to come to some of them begrudgingly because <laughs> their parents sometimes do make them yeah. come um but it is cool for them just to be able to have a front row seat to see like our students um really learn what it means to follow jesus and what it means to be in community with each other um mm -hmm. so it's really cool and really special yeah that is because i think a lot of times we think about in the church we think about kids and they're, they're tra at least old church, they're training mm -hmm. to be the the church. But they are actually the church themselves. They mm -hmm. are, they're, yeah. they, they're in their own mission field yeah. as it is. And so what an opportunity that is mm -hmm. to have a place where they can come yeah. and start learning. No, for sure. And something that um, our director of student ministries, Eric, always says is that like um, a lot of times um, the church will say, oh, like, middle school and the high school students, they're the next generation, but they're actually, they are the generation of today. Like they are also the church. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool just to see like our students and I get to work with a lot of like student volunteers with worship um, and just like see them putting, um, using their gifts for the kingdom is really cool. Mm -hmm. It's really special. Yeah. 
what does it look like, I think, because I think, in, especially in big church, mm-hmm. um, we have, I don't know why this is, but we have <laughs> folded our hands like yeah. this, and we have been like, I think, we're, we listen to music, and it's almost like the words don't phase us, like mm-hmm. we're just singing Itsy Bitsy Spider. Yeah. <laughs> and so, how, yeah. why... Why is it important? Because I, th- I think not to be like, you know, how do we make it not a show, mm. but how do we make it like, oh, I'm actually doing this because I want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's something I've been, I have wrestled with for years as a worship leader because for me, like I am, I consider myself to be a very outwardly expressive worshiper. So when I don't see people doing the same thing, like when I see people with their arms crossed or just then like they have this glazed over look, I can get frustrated because I'm like, Mm -hmm. why aren't you experiencing this in the same way that I am? But something that I've learned is that it's like, man, like, I can't see what's going on in their hearts. Mm -hmm. That's been a really humbling thing of just being like, Lord, like, I genuinely have no idea what they're experiencing with you or what kind of encounter they're having with you. All I can do is try and lead them in like the best way that I possibly can Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and just be sensitive to your spirit and where it's leading me. Um, But on my end, at least, like when it comes to my own like personal expression of worship and worship settings, like especially music-wise, For me, it's something my dad taught me when I was young. He just said, um, act your way into feeling, don't feel your way into acting. Um, And so I had someone come up to me one time and ask me, like, oh, why are you, like, so expressive? Like, why, like, you know, like, raising hands or kneeling or um, even jumping, you know? And I was telling them, like, you know, like, sometimes, a lot of times when I raise my hand, honestly, hands, it's not because, it's not always because I feel something. I'm not always having this major encounter. I'm literally just doing this, A, as a posture of surrender to the king, but also um, it's like, man, your body posture can inform so much of your heart posture. Mm. And I deeply believe that too. It's like, hey, if I'm going to have my arms open, I'm telling my body is like telling my heart, like I'm in a posture of vulnerability and surrender. Um, And so a lot of times what we do with our hands, what we do with our bodies during worship, for me at least, um, is something that really can indicate our heart posture or change our heart posture. Um, I was having a really bad, I remember this years ago, I was in high school and I was having a really bad morning and I was at church and my arms were folded and I was in a really bad mood. I was super cranky because I didn't want to be there. And um, I found myself like, I was like, okay, Hannah, like, don't cross your arms. So I unfolded my arms and just had them by my side. And even that simple of a posture that simple of an act of just like uncrossing my arms and just letting them fall by my side was like this taking away all my defenses you know like I physically wasn't defense in a defensive posture and so therefore the defenses in my heart I think to the spirit came down a little bit um so like I said body posture a lot of times really informs like our heart posture (laughs) oh that's so good because I I I read a book years ago um True Worshipper. I don't mm. know if you've read it. Mm-mm. Such a good book. Bob Coughlin. But he talks about that, about how um, even praising, even when you don't feel like it. Yeah. I think that is one of the... I think that is kind of what we think. But when we are realizing that we have, we have no choice mm-hmm. to praise. As Christians, that's what we are created to do. Yeah. And so when we don't feel like it, even having that symbol of, I love what you said about 
letting your hands fall down because just being able to be like, I I don't feel like it right now, mm-hmm. but this in the long run will be so much better for me mm-hmm. because I'm not I'm not saying no. Yeah. I'm having this open posture. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Um, talk about what is one of your today, if you had to choose, what is one of your favorite worship songs? Oof. Right now. Right now? Okay. Well, I'll give you two answers to that because okay. my favorite worship song of all time is King of Kings. Oh. King of Kings. Oh, my goodness. So good. Mm. Um, I feel like every time I hear that song, I feel like I'm just watching like um, the story um, of like Jesus's birth all the way until his resurrection just like come alive before my eyes. Um, so that is my favorite worship song of all time. Um, but another one that I have really been loving is this song um, called Authority. Um, it's a little bit of an older one by Elevation, but it talks about like um, the chorus goes, one word from you, things change on your authority. Um, your word, it's true. Things change on your authority. Um, and just talking about like God is like so powerful and so majestic. And a lot of times I think in worship songs, I love just how like a lot of worship songs currently like paint the picture of God as being our friend. But also we just, sometimes we just need that reminder. Like this isn't also like just like our little buddy that we can like keep in our pocket and then like pull him out whenever we need him. Like this is like the creator of the universe that we are walking in step with. And so this song to me is just such a reminder of like, um, and such a comfort too, just being like, literally one word from God can change everything. Like, and um, and we know we can rest in the fact that every word that he says is truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I just love that song because it just reiterates all that thing, all those things and um, just shows that like nothing can stand against him or anything um, that he says or does because he's that good and that, uh, powerful. Um, so love that song. So good. That's so good because Jesus did not come to abolish the law. Mm-hmm. He came to fulfill it. Yeah. And so we think a lot of times in the Old Testament, I'm like, oh, at least for me in the past, I've been like, oh, I can't believe the Old Testament. Yeah. This is <laughs> the Old Testament is scary. Yeah. But. He is the same as he was in the Old Testament as he is today. He mm-hmm. has ever, he is never changing. And I think that is something that I, I think, and you're right, because it's like, oh, Jesus, we love you. And you, I, I, I love that little buddy because, <laughs> um, but I, I think because we do, but also he, I, I love the, I'm jumping around here, but I, I love the idea of him at the throne. I love the I love the word throne room, yeah. Because the the idea that we get to come into the throne room, mm-hmm. <clears throat> not just not just as someone who um, in the past where one holy of holy person gets to be in the throne room, but we all get to be in the yeah. throne room together. Yeah. What a powerful thing, and that we get to have a we get to bow at the throne room but we also get to dance in the mm. throne room of God. Yeah. So and so I want to I want to just talk a little bit about that or have to, um not just me talk about it but talk about people and especially in the older generation of the church. Mm. People see dancing 
jumping up and down is dancing as uh, you know I don't know about that <laughs> and so yeah. talk what does that what does dancing mean to you in, in mm-hmm. worship services man I think um, when I think about dancing during worship um, I think at least like for me my like own posture of that is um, in the Bible like David danced before the Lord mm-hmm. and he was a fool like he literally uh, made a fool of himself um now, I wouldn't, like, suggest everyone go the route that David did when he danced before the Lord because it was a little question. It was very questionable. But I do think there's something about worship um, that is just simply, like, when we're in the presence of God, it's so vulnerable and it's so undignified. Mm-hmm. Like, when we come before the Lord in worship, regardless of whether it's, like, uh, we're worshiping through music or we're worshiping, like, through our actions or anything else, like, I think there's something about it that's, like, God knows us at our best and our and our very very worst, and um, it's not about. I think dancing is something for me that I'm like I'm not trying to put on a show for him. Mm-hmm. Like I am dancing before the Lord because I'm so filled with joy for what He's done and for who He is. And I was telling someone like when I think about my own testimony and my own story, like and I hear like some songs that just speak to that specifically. Like, I can't help but dance. Mm. I can't help but dance, and I can't, like, help but just sing out to him. Um, and at that point, it's like, I don't really care what other people think. Like, I don't care what other people are, um, like, what other people think when they watch me, because it's not about what other people think of me. It's about, like, being real and being, like, fully worshiping um, the creator of the universe and, like, our Heavenly Father. Um there's a song we do for student ministries called Heaven Invade, and I love that song because um, the bridge goes, um, I can't help but dance, can't help but sing, and I don't really care what anyone thinks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, that's so good because it's like I can't help but like sing out to him and dance before him. And like it, like I said before, it like, doesn't matter what people think. It only matters like what he thinks because we have the audience of one, and mm-hmm. that's him. Oh, my goodness. That's so good. Um why do you think it is important um, that why why do you think it was specifically that they put the worship uh, in the Bible they put them on the forefront mm. that they put the people who played and sang why do you think it why do you think that was important and why do you think and how can that be applied for us today mm. that's a good question um I think when it comes to like worship leading specifically, um, you know, as people who are given those gifts and those abilities, like I think if God calls us to lead worship and lead others in worship, like we have, we do shoulder a responsibility mm-hmm. of like leading um, the congregation or leading other believers in that, whether that's um, at like a church of like 10 people or a church of 10,000. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every worship leader and every person who like participates in worship music and like leading or playing, I think we all shoulder a responsibility of not just like pointing people to Jesus when we're on the stage, but also what we do off the stage. Um, like there's no, obviously we're all sinful. We all make mistakes, but like there is just something about like when we have that, platform which I hate using that word because it's not about the platform but when we do have that responsibility um there comes so many other things with it you're not just leading people in songs like you are literally just 
as worship leaders, I think, and I'm stealing this analogy from my friend Will Bricks, who's a very anointed worship oh. pastor. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, but he always says, like, we are simply just the doorstops. Mm. God flings the door open for his presence, and as worship leaders, all we're doing is we're just that little doorstop um, that's pointing people to, like, hey, this is, this is what this is all about. Um, and so I think as worship leaders, like, being at the forefront, that picture you said of, like, being at the forefront is just, like, we have a huge responsibility of shepherding um, our congregation, of leading people, of pastoring people. Um, and if we don't do that well, like we can sing a song all day, you know, anyone can do that. But it's like it. what matters is the people and how you're impacting um, people's lives for the kingdom through the spirit. Um outside of leading worship too. So it's a very multifaceted thing. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think even making sure that having songs that people, I, I pray this every time mm. I get up on stage, is that making sure that they, whether that be in worship, whether it be in the preaching, what whatever it may be, that they can take something home with them mm. that they can use throughout the week. Because if it, if we don't, as people, if we don't take something that we can carry throughout the week, mm-hmm. then what? I mean, what are we? What are we doing there? Because, you know, Sunday is good, but we need to carry through. And I, I think having the, like little lines like, um, our affection, our devotion, mm. pour on the feet of Jesus, or all my life you have been faithful. Mm. All my life you've been good. Carrying those words throughout the week yeah. is so important. And so, mm. and that is what we do, at, or not, I shouldn't say we, but as people who lead in worship, mm. that um, we are thinking about, okay, these songs are, are tools for today, mm-hmm. but they're also tools for tomorrow and yeah. the next day. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Um, and so, um, where do you go from here? Um, why, when you think of the, when you think of the throne room, Mm. what, what does, what comes to your mind? That's another great question. Um, you know, I think for a long time, especially when, um, I was younger, when I pictured the throne room. Um, I saw something just very, just like a thing that, a, a room that was just me and God and no one else. But as I've gotten older and just learned more about like him and what it means to like live in community, like, man, I picture like literally everyone, everyone who could possibly fit in a room just packed in and we're all just like singing praises to Jesus and something, um, a place where I really feel like I got a picture of like what that throne room like could look like because we won't know until we get there. Um, but is um, shift worship night actually a few years ago. Um, I love shift worship night and I love being able just to attend because um, we're all like the cool thing about it is you're all like in you're in this big like circle you're in the round mm-hmm. um, and something that's just beautiful about that is that you can see everyone you can see people worshiping and i think the beauty of the throne room is that like we're not worshiping worshiping just by ourselves but we are with um the a huge body of believers like we're with um everyone who's seeking after christ and we're connected in such a special way because we have the bond of jesus Mm -hmm. um 
And so I'm just excited to see it, like, when I, when we get to heaven, just, like, that, the crazy worship service that it's going to be, you know? Like, um, I seriously can't wait. It's going to surpass anything on this earth, like, every, like, concert, wow. every worth the best like worship conference or um, anything like that. Like it, it'll just be better than anything we can imagine. But when I think of the throne room, I think of that. Yeah. I, I think similarly about that. Um, when I think of Mav city, mm-hmm. when they, when they have the people in all of the different nationalities and the yeah. different, uh, all the different people of like, this is what heaven will be like. Mm-hmm. This our congregations are little glimpses, but when I see people who are all different types of people mm-hmm. worshiping together, yeah. what a beautiful picture of what heaven will be like. Yeah. And so, um, this is just a little side note that <laughs> here, but I I think it is I think it's funny to me how we sing songs about heaven, mm-hmm. because. <clears throat> about how um, they're good here, mm-hmm. but when we get to heaven, what's it going? We won't need them. But anyway, that's that's nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's nothing spiritual here or there. But but like when we sing the song, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Well, we're in heaven. We won't need that song anymore. <laughs> but um, but that but anyway, um. Why um, changing going a little less heavy? What's one of your favorite movies? Oh, my favorite movies. Oh, this is hard. So, I I do love movies, but the thing with me is that I will just watch the same movie over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But one of my favorite movies has always been La La Land. Ever since that came out, mm-hmm. I love that movie. Um. I just love like the musicality of it. I love the visuals and the story is great. Uh, but another movie that I recently have been really enjoying um, has been this movie called Beautiful Boy uh, with Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet. It's about um, it's a really heavy movie actually about um, just like drug addiction and what that does um, to like the person who is addicted, but also um, their family as well. And so it's a really powerful movie. So those are two of my faves. They're very different, but love them both mm. so much. They're so good. You know Kevin Cosner. At the at Whitney Houston's funeral, uh, said, and this is this is the Joseph paraphrase here, <laughs> but he said, uh, you know Whitney here did not know how much she was loved. Mm. I hope now she knows how much she is really loved. I don't know if that, but uh, speak into that about. Mm in the church especially of like how do we make sure especially people that we see on a Sunday how do we make sure um, in, in, in a church like Southland mm-hmm. people can get lost yeah. and so how do we make sure that people know that they are loved mm. yeah that um, there's so many ways I think but um, I think honestly just um, intentionality and mm. seeking them out um, I think something that I've seen in my own life um, is um, just with people who, uh, my friends that I may have, um, or people who like 
aren't super involved in the church is something that's, or you don't know the Lord, something that's important is just continuing to pursue them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's like, man, when we think about people, like our goal, like I know at South End is like we want to reach as many lost and broken people um, as we can and leave Kentucky in a better place than we found it. Um, and I think a big way of doing that is just meeting people where they are, mm. whether that's in the church or outside of it. Uh, my a friend of mine on staff, he always says, like, um, when you um, are, you know, say, like, you're trying to minister to someone who is an alcoholic, um, you're not going to always find them in a church. You're going to have to go to the bar. Um, but the main thing is, is that we don't stay there. Um, and so I think it's just like about truly just meeting people where they're at and, um, loving them despite, um, like where they're at and it may not be, they may not be in a lifestyle that, um, is like one that aligns like with, um, what a Christian should or what a believer, um, should be walking in. But ultimately those things, like, it's just about meeting people where they are. And loving them um, despite, like, what they've done um, and what their struggles are. And being able to point them to hope and point them to Jesus. Um, and I think just doing that makes people feel a lot less lost mm-hmm. and feel a lot less, like, alone. Uh, which, I don't know, I think that's the beauty of the gospel is, like, even in, you see in the Bible, like, in Jesus' parables, like, leaving the 99 for the one. And so I think it's just so important to be intentional with people and seek them out um, and do it consistently, too. Um, something we talk about a lot in student ministries for our students, consistency is so key. You don't have to have, like, a crazy, like, groundbreaking conversation with, like, a seventh grader because they may not remember that. Like, but what they're yeah. going to remember is that you showed up. And I think that translates into so many other areas yeah, of life as well Jesus. as a believer. So. Absolutely. I remember talking to a pastor friend of mine of of the the the, the youth group was a little small mm-hmm. and uh rambunctious kids. I mean <laughs> shoot. Oh. I was I helped out and I said, This is not my ministry. You <laughs> you can keep the kids. But they were like um and they, they and I remember talking to him and he was like, you know, I don't think they're ready yet mm-hmm. for for big sermons because he was given like 10 minute five minute little sermons and or lessons and so and he was like I don't think they're ready just yet for big lessons Mm -hmm. I think what we really need to focus on is building a community so that people can come and I really that really stuck with me because it's like sometime we need to build we need to dig and and so we can plant the seeds so that way we can dig before we plant the seeds because if you don't if you don't dig and you don't build that foundation of a relationship you have no place to mm-hmm. you have no place to go yeah absolutely that's good i agree um and so let's see um what is what is one thing that um what is well, this could be more than one thing, but what is what is your prayer for the church, mm. especially, especially coming out? I don't know if we're out of this season. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if we're out of the season because I think we tend to be in a season of we tend to go out of season, then we come back and we yeah. go. But what is your prayer 
for the church mm. now? I think it's just for continued unity. Mm. Um, I've talked. I've had a lot of friends um, who've been in ministry or <coughs> really active in the church who have just been so turned off by it because there's been so much division and so much um, conflict about some pretty like major issues. Um, but so it's been cool because I so I started seminary this semester, and I'm in this church history class, mm. and I was reading through my coursework a few weeks ago, and I was like. Oh my gosh, I was like, the church has been, there's been conflict within the church since the, all up to the time, like, um, of Pentecost, you know, like it's from been Pentecost until now, like there has always been some kind of like tension or some kind of like theological debate that's been going on that has been like, like not only was, um, it was like within the church, but it like went on a grander scheme to like political, political and socioeconomical. And, um, so I think. I feel like that makes me hopeful mm-hmm. because I'm like, man, there has been arguments about theology um, since the beginning of the church. And I think something that's important now, though, is that like we straight that like, the church as a whole stays true to the mission of just pointing people to Jesus. And ultimately, like there are other like issues with like progressive Christianity um, that it's like a whole other sector that is very like um is causing a lot of division in the church currently mm-hmm. um but i think something that's so important is just like staying true to what's in scripture mm-hmm. um you know and staying and truly just like uniting with other believers who are staying true to scripture and staying true to what god has commanded us to do um and then going forth and like making disciples and loving our communities and loving our neighbors and um that starts like within the church and our families and then just spreads out. Um, but I really, my prayer recently has just been for unity. Mm-hmm. Um, that despite all like the, um, uh, like tension and conflict that like as the body of Christ, we would be able to come together and then still continue to pursue the goal of pointing people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Um, this is a, this was a question outside. I did not come up with this. And so <laughs> Bree Wolfick came up with this question. I thought, this is so brilliant. <laughs> but what is one fruit of the Spirit that is your strength? And what's one fruit of the Spirit that is your weakness? Oh, gosh. You know, it's funny because like, you sent me that those questions, I think, yesterday. And I was, think, I was thinking through that one specifically this morning. Um and I was like, man, I feel like I just fall short in all of them. Mm. Like, I wish I could be like, there's one that I'm like, oh, yeah, like I feel like this one I'm really like, feel pretty solid in. But ultimately, I look at all of them. I'm like, I'm nowhere near like any of where Jesus is on those things. Mm. And I think it, until the day I die and like um, our bodies and our souls are like fully in heaven and like restored, not our bodies, but you know, our souls are in heaven and we're restored to the beauty of Jesus um, that I'm going to continue just, like, following him as best as I can and le- relying on him um, and just hope that he transforms me from the inside out. Um, but something that I specifically have been praying for, I think, fruit of the spirit-wise is um, for patience. Um, I think something that I, that's something I really struggle with. Um, I have always been, like, loved, like, a fast pace of life, getting things mm-hmm. done quickly, and just my prayer has been, like, Lord, grant me patience 
Um, and also there's this um, litany that's really good. It's called the Litany of Humility, and I've been praying something from that a lot recently. Um, and it's that others may be chosen and I set aside. Jesus, give me the grace to desire it. Um, and those are two things that I've just been really, like, seeing the Lord working through in my life and cultivating and redeeming and refining, um, which is been very hard it's not easy but it's been cool to see like okay lord this sucks but you're literally answering my prayers <laughs> you know yeah. it's like when you I was talking to my friend Kaylee and we were saying like yeah when you pray for refinement he's gonna give it to you <laughs> he's gonna yes. give it to you um so yeah I, I just I think in terms of fruit of the spirits that like I I fall short in all of them and there's not one that I'm like oh this is better than the other in my mm-hmm. life but um I just hope that every day I can just try and look more and more like Jesus and not through my own strength, but through his. Mm. So, yeah. That's so good. And, so, and sort of closing today, mm-hmm. what is, um, what does reconciliation look like? Or mm. conciliation, I heard that the other day of like, reconciliation is going back to the, going back to here, but Conciliation means going back to the beginning of Adam and Eve. Mm. But what does reconciliation or conciliation look like this side of heaven? That's a a loaded question. (laughs) Um, Man, I think... hmm. I think it's being able to... um, Like, are you talking about, like, reconciliation with each other, with the Lord, like... All of it in general. Yeah, I just let you take. Okay. <laughs> I let you take it where you want to. Man, I think, um, man, reconciliation with the Lord, I think, happens when we take that step to um, accept Jesus into our hearts, um, and that decision of like being baptized and the act of being baptized. Um, I think that reconciles our relationship with God on an individual level, um, because ultimately, like, we are sinful we're Mm -hmm. fallen and we're sinful and the only thing that um can restore a relationship with god is god himself Mm -hmm. um through the sacrifice of jesus and um i think in that same way when we look at reconciliation with other people around us um i think it looks like it truly is the only way we can reconcile is through jesus um especially relationally Mm -hmm. um personally of course and relationally though like Imagine, I remember like a few years ago, I got into, you know, I had like conflict and tension with um, a friend and the only way we were able to like reconcile was like bringing it before Jesus and being like, Lord, like, um, I don't want to hold this against my friend. I don't want to hold these things against my friend and vice versa. And it's really about just letting Jesus's grace and forgiveness and like seeing the way that it plays out in our own lives and being able to like extend that gift to others as well um and it's not something we do on our own strength i wish it could be but it's simply it's like simply (laughs) it's not like um and just even the very act of forgiveness and reconciliation here on earth is just like a mirror image of what god does for us Mm. um so it's like man if god has redeemed us and restored us and like if we are if our relationship with him is reconciled like we have no excuse Mm. when it comes to other people we have no excuse um and I think a way that the enemy likes to work is through division and through um, just, like, t- 
tension and conflict in, in a way that's not healthy, in a way that fosters bitterness and resentment. Uh, but I think when we are reconciled with Jesus, like we have people hopefully in our lives who can call that out and um, we can forgive others and ask for Jesus' help in forgiving other people and reconciling with him. So it's a long question to your answer, oh, no. your, answer to your question, but yeah. That was so good. Thank you so much for taking your time out and doing this. Absolutely. It's an uh, honor. Oh, yes. Um, and so, um, yeah, just thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you.